Welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. I'm joined here by Matthew Hurley from the GA Statsman podcast to run through an action-packed weekend of National Football League action. 16 games to run through, so definitely a lot to discuss from Division 1 all the way down to Division 4. Yeah, plenty of trills and spills, some surprise results in there. Ross Common getting a huge win against Tyrone. Also wins in Division 1 for the likes of Armagh. Uh, getting a, a huge victory in there as well. You think of Division 2, Dublin starting their campaign with a win, but at the same time, you had Mead pulling off a bit of a surprise result away to Cork, which I'm sure Matthew will have plenty to, to say about uh, a little bit later on. And obviously in Division 3 and Division 4, plenty of uh, surprise results in there as well. Leash beating Sligo away from home is definitely a result that stands out in my opinion. Uh Matthew, how is uh, life? Are you over the Cork defeat yet? Or is there still, uh, you know, some bad feelings waking up this morning about that? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on again, Harold, the, the channel. Yeah, it's um, very disappointing now. Like, after yesterday, after the first half even, we were thinking we might be on the road for a win and we were thinking we could have been further ahead at halftime than two points. Quite disappointed going in only two points up. And then one goal from Jordan Morris just changes the whole complexion of the game. And um, it, it changes the complexion of our season as well because we have Kildare next week now. Uh, we have Dublin in two weeks. I'm sure uh, you'll have a lot to say about Dublin's performance against Kildare as well. Wasn't the best, but they'll improve, I'm sure, once we come to match day three. So, look, um, at halftime, it looked good for the car footballers, but at the end of the game, it looks all doom and gloom. And I, I think you said on your podcast recently, Cork were one result away from a crisis and it, it proves that way um, after yesterday. So, uh, yeah, a lot of action during the weekend. Uh, great that G is back, a decent amount of uh, games this weekend and uh, um, looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, like, and one thing stood out as well for me, like looking at all the scores, like even as I was putting the scores up here just in the dashboard in the background, like a lot of very, very competitive scores, like only, like I think there was only four or five games where the margin was over four or five points. Um, and aside from Derry, Limerick Leach, and Leitrim Waterford, like a lot of the games were very, very competitive um, had a lot of late goals, late points. And I think that's what makes the league so exciting because we know in the championship, when it comes around to the provincial championships, we'll see 15, 20 point victories. And even in the group stages, we could potentially get that as well, depending on how it all goes. But I suppose in the league, like all the teams are in the same division for a reason. And that was a great thing that stood out for me at the weekend was seeing so many competitive games and so many games going down to the wire as well. Exactly that, yeah. And even the Galway Mayo game, it probably wasn't the best of quality on Saturday night. I was watching that game doing stats and it obviously and like they were two evenly matched sides, and that's the main thing about the lead. The Kerry and the Donegal game evenly matched as well. Most of the matches in division one when you thought our man might pull away from the Monaghan. In fairness to Monaghan, they put up a fight as well. Uh, even Dublin-Kildare was a very competitive game. I thought Dublin, to be honest with you, I thought Dublin was really a run amok at Kildare, especially what they did in the Leinster final last year. But um, Kildare stuck with them, in fairness to them. Maybe Kildare, you said on the live stream yourself, might have been disappointed coming away from Cork Park with a loss. But um, look, the, the league is there for a reason. It's a very good competition. I suppose with the two games you mentioned, Derry-Limerick, I had high aspirations for Limerick. I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's my own biases. Maybe because I go to college in Limerick and hope they they put up a challenge. But Derry were just absolutely outstanding. And I think people are kind of sleepy on Derry in pre-season, winning by 12 points is an outstanding margin. And Leitrim Watford, to be honest, that was predictable. Like Watford at one county in Ireland that you think they're just not interested in football. They're just isn't the quality there, unfortunately. 
in Watford despite the good work kind of what Ify Fitzgerald is doing at the moment. So yeah, the league was very, very entertaining this weekend. A few shot results as well, like the Leash Sligo game really caught my eye in Division Four, like the six point win for Leash. We like on loads of podcasts, even my own with uh, Seamus Brady last week, we were saying how far have Leash fallen and we were saying Sligo could get maximum points. Already Sligo are a bit of bother uh, for promotion now. So yeah, it's um, very interesting games during the week and even epitomising Division 4 on one Saturday night, there was two games, two draws. So yeah, very entertaining games and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it and uh, yeah, the Football League is well and truly begun. Yeah, Test Case says as well here, Matthew Mead, B Cork, I think. Uh, just reminding you there, like in case you, you know, just kind of slipped your brain, um, but we'll certainly get onto that maybe a little bit later. But yeah, starting off obviously with the game you mentioned there, it was Mayo 111, Galway 2A, probably the game of the weekend in terms of the games that we got to see live on TV. Very, very entertaining stuff. Um, it was a strange game, like I probably didn't, as you said there, like I didn't have a huge amount of quality in terms of scoring or you know it was there was a lot of turnovers it was a, it was a bit of a scrappy game but at the same time it was edge of your seat stuff there was plenty of goals on show like James Carr's cracker of a goal in the first half Matthew Tierney obviously responds with a goal of his own Sean Kelly gets a very very good goal for Galway in the second half as well that was a brilliantly taken finish um, and it was like although it was a National League game in the opening weekend it almost got the feeling of like a, a championship game or something. Like both sides were really, really going for it towards the end. And it was great stuff. And I suppose the Mayo Galway rivalry lives to fight another day. Exactly. So, and uh, yeah, you epitomise that perfectly. Like it wasn't the best quality of game. It was, um, it was a very tight, scrappy game. Like the James Carpole was absolutely outstanding. Like um, what, what, um, what impressed me about Mayo during the weekend, I thought, was um, their unity in defence, really. Like, um, when you look at their turnovers, for example, they had 56% um, turnover rate compared to Galway's 44%. And, yeah, that epitomised Mayo all night. They were hungry in the tackle. They were hungry to get on the ball. I suppose it, maybe a bit of a negative for Mayo. It wasn't Galway's first team. Like, Tom O'Callaghan was injured for this game. Rob Finnerty went off early. Hopefully, he's OK in the next few weeks. Like, he is... A game as we speak tomorrow for DCU. I'm not sure is he going to make it, and it probably, um, you know, adds to the conversation of player welfare as well. Should he have been playing this game? I know he's a brilliant player and all that, and uh, yeah, maybe because DCU were in Sigurdsson Cup action week in with week out, and Denny plays in this intense game against Mayo, and Denny get, picks up an unfortunate injury, and like, like I, I think we're going to repeat ourselves in the podcast over this about player welfare. It's it's a big issue in the GA at the moment, and I think the lads. On Lee Sunday, Paul Flynn and Sean Cavanagh were talking about this with the amount of games in the championship as well. The Sigurdsson Cup leading into it. There's more Sigurdsson Cup games this week as well. I mean, it's it's crazy stuff, you know. And um, even Connor Glass and, uh, or not Connor, well, yeah, Connor Glass and uh, all the Glen lads playing for Derry at the weekend as well. That's wrong as well, um, which we'll probably get on to later. But in terms of the game, like, Mayo and Toss were pretty good. Um, pretty good um, attack as well. Like when you look at Ryan O'Donoghue getting that late score, Killian O'Connor coming back to fitness, getting that late score. Aiden Arm was a bit off it, but you'd imagine he'd be back up to full fitness as the league goes on. Like we were we were actually thinking that Mayo would miss Lee Keegan and Oshie Mullen in the defence, but I thought Mayo's defence was resolute really all night. I thought they restricted Galway to not much in the game. Like Paul Con- like I think they only got one one in the second half, Galway through uh, Paul Conroy, a, a brilliant score, by the way, and Sean Kelly's goal, which, to be honest, came out of nothing. So, 
I think Mayo will be happy with the result. Maybe Galway will as well. I think both sides will stay up with the division. I don't think either side will particularly want to reach a league final because we're talking so many build-up games and Connacht is so competitive this year. When you look at the side of the draw, Mayo, Galway play each other on the first day of Connacht as well. They'll be all rose leading to that. So it's going to be interesting to see how these um, sides develop. But I think both sides will be happy with the result. Yeah, I suppose from a Mayo perspective, like obviously with Kevin McStay, his first game, he obviously knows Galway very well. I mean, he competed against them on numerous occasions as a player and also, of course, when he managed Common as well. Like, And you could see with Mayo, like he definitely got a kick out of them lads and even the likes of James Carr, uh, Aid Norm, I thought was impressive as well, although he didn't, I don't think he scored in the game. Um, and then obviously Ryan O'Donoghue finishing with six points as well. So like you could clearly see with Kevin McStay, you know, he's getting a tune out of those lads. And when you have the likes of Killian O'Connor, Aidan O'Shea, Kevin McLaughlin coming off the bench, like Mayo squad depth is pretty good this year. It is, yeah. And even the new lads uh, come into the free, like Bob too. He was one fellow that impressed me, like making runs, not particularly scoring, scored one point in the night. But his, his runs from defence to attack, I thought was absolutely brilliant. His lingo play, James Carr showed his quality with that goal. He seems to only score bangers, that guy. He's an incredible footballer. He was out in the last few years with injury. He's come back now, brilliant footballer. Like you look at Matty Ruan, Jordan Flynn around the middle as well. Jermaine O'Connor had a decent enough game as well. Like Mayo, it rolls off the tongue. Like some very, very uh, talented footballers in that team. And so I'd be, I'd be very hopeful about Mayo this season. Like I wouldn't have been at the end of the game against Kerry last year. To be all in all honesty, I thought they laid down way too easily in that game. Jack Carney's another very good player. Like even players coming out. Owen McLaughlin's another one. He's still young enough, but experienced enough as well. He played in big games like the Dublin game in 2021 and the other finals in 2021 as well. So very experienced there. Paul Towie even coming onto the pitch. We talked about him numerous times, him doing so well over in America. His scoring record is absolutely incredible. I think he scored like 4-14 in one game, uh, one challenge game in America last, last year. So it probably just shows his quality as well. So like Mayo have some very good players. Connor Loftus at centre-back was interesting the other night. And do I think it worked? I think Mayo's intensity to tackle was absolutely brilliant the night. So, in my opinion, I think it actually worked. Maybe they'll do that for the next few games, see how it goes. And if there's a bit of a fault in the next few weeks, they can always change it. Like they can always put Stephen Cohen back into centre back, who played wing back the other night. Jonathan McHugh is a very good player. Rory Brickenden at full back. Jack Coyne had a very good game as well, I felt. I think he had a brilliant game. Colin Reap and goal is a new breed coming up in goal. And Rob Henley, of course, is coming back from injury. So that's brilliant for Mayo as well. So, yeah, I think there's players all over the field for Mayo. And I'd be very hopeful for Mayo in the next few months. Like, yeah, even Cordell Dempsey for UL is a very impressive player. And he can't get a look in on this Mayo team. So I think Mayo do have the players. Um, will they win in All-Ireland this year? I don't think so. I don't think they have the temperament to win in All-Ireland. I think Galway were missing more players than Mayo until tonight. And I think Galway have more to push on to them. But I think this year is a good start. And they've no, no better man than Kevin McStay to push them on. He knows Mayo football inside and out. He's been on the Sunday game. He knows what it's all about. So, yeah, I think I think it's a brilliant appointment for Mayo. Do I think they'll win the all this year? No. But in the next few years, maybe it's a possibility. Yeah, and I suppose from a Galway perspective, as you said, like a little bit... A little bit leggy maybe towards the end of the game and obviously don't have a lot of their players available. I mean, obviously Shane Walsh still has to come back in. You've seen obviously Peter Cook come off the bench. Like, could he be a potential regular star further down the line? So, like, I mean, do you think they'll be... Because it's it's a weird one with Galway. Like, usually a point at Mikhail Park 
especially for a newly promoted team, would be a good result. But considering Galway were in the all Ireland final last year and considering they beat Mayo, of course, in the championship last year as well, like you got the feeling of a little bit of disappointment, disappointment maybe from Podrick Joyce. But at the same time, like a point away to Mayo is not a bad result. It's not really, you know, and uh, like the, even the performance for Galway over in the last few minutes when they kind of kicked the game away, they could have won the game and got a draw. But if you were to ask a Galway fan before the game, would you have expect, accepted a draw on Mikhail Park to force the out without Tom O'Callaghan and with a few players involved in the Cigarettes and Cup? You know, the tiredness of the legs will be there. And, it, as the, and the boy Cullen lads as well in the All-Ireland club semi-final in the last few weeks or so, I'd say Galway fans would have taken the draw on the heartbeat, to be honest with you. Like it's uh, Mikhail Park, it's going to be a bit of an you know an intense game. They had eight different scores in the game, which is very um, encouraging. As you mentioned there, they had no Shane Walsh, they had no Tom O'Callaghan uh, because of injury. Robert Finnerty going off is a huge miss. I hope I hope Robert Finnerty actually recovers pretty soon because he's one player that I enjoy watching. I think he's an incredible footballer and maybe a bit underrated. Hopefully he'll recover. I don't think the injury looked pretty bad, like him getting carried off, and hopefully. He'll recover soon. Um, Matthew Tierney had a decent enough game with that goal. Damien Comer still showed his quality with three points as well. Daisy Kenny didn't get into the game enough. I thought he was very anonymous in this game, but he had more gears to go up, I'm, I'm sure. You mentioned Peter Cook. Like, where would he um, feature in the midfield? Like, you have Paul Conroy there, you have Killian McDade, who are two top class midfielders, and arguably both of them could have gone the All Star team last year. Paul Conroy himself. Scored an unbelievable point the other night. Killian McDade scored a point as well as that. Like you have Daniel Flaherty, who, who I was very impressed with to win back. I thought he was brilliant. Neil Mulcahy from um, Mike Cullen is another new player coming in. He's still at Dylan McHugh and John Daly there. Connor Gleeson, I, I was a, a bit skeptical of Connor Gleeson, especially last season in the games, particularly against our man Kerry in the All Ireland Championship. But I thought the other night, I thought his kickouts especially were brilliant. Like he was he was using the wins to his advantage. He was kicking them beyond the opposition 65, which you rarely see in Gaelic football. So I think that was a brilliant side to see Owen Kelly coming back into the team as well. Sean Kelly making marauding runs from fullback. Uh, Carl Sweeney coming off the bench, like Jack Lynn. So Galway have a good squad. They have more to come back into the team. Do we, I don't think Galway will be targeting the league particularly. But I think they could be a dark horse for the All Ireland because we got to Kerry in the minute now. But with Kerry, maybe they're a bit overrated in the sense that without David Clifford, they struggle. So maybe that's something that Galway can look at. Dublin weren't that good the other night against Kildare either. So Galway, I think, after appearing in the last year's All Ireland final, I think with the squad they have at the moment and Power Joyce, it is fourth year, I think, at this stage now. I think Galway will be gunning for the All Ireland this year. They have to. I think they could be dark horses to claim the Sam McGuire. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I suppose you were saying there in regards to Kerry obviously getting beat by Donegal by a scoreline of thirteen points to one nine. Huge result for uh, for Donegal. First of all, like with Paddy Carr obviously coming in as manager, um, you know, obviously a lot of sort of you know speculation maybe about a rift behind the scenes and Michael Murphy stepping away and. When they concede that early goal from Dara Moynihan, puts it away. Obviously, very you know, very good finish from himself after the mistake from Brendan McCall. Kerry were I think four or five points up at that stage, um, and you felt like surely a team of Kerry's experience will go on to win the game, even without a lot of their best players available. But fair play to Donegal, like they kept ticking, they kept you know going at it. Caelan McCaughan, very good player, good introduction into the team. Three points from himself. I thought he was very impressive. 
um, even the likes of young Johnny McCroddy who's come into the side as well. So like for Donegal, even though they do have a couple of players that aren't available, Michael Murphy, Neil McGee, Patter Mogan, I think has opted out this year as well. So, I mean, to get a few of those additions into the side, like, uh, you know, Donegal fans will be feeling a lot more positive tonight than they would have been a couple of days ago before the game anyways. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you, you, another player to mention as well, Conor O'Donnell, who's been scoring freely over the last few seasons, scored three points as well. Outstanding performance. Daryl Boyle, two points as well. And he was, he was mostly playing inside the forward line, which is very unusual for him. Like, he's usually a defender. So, that was a brilliant performance by him. Sean Patton was pretty good at kickouts. Patrick Rebriarty was pretty quiet as well, which may be another positive that the other Donegal players are actually stepping up to the plate. And um, he got that late score. You can't find much more than a clutch player than uh, Paddy McBriarty. Outstanding from him. Uh, I suppose like Donegal, it was a brilliant result. It was a brilliant confidence booster. Brilliant win for Paddy Carr to get to under the bids. But what I will say, that's Kerry's, I'd say. Second, third team without Sean O'Shea, without David Clifford, without Paddy Clifford, without Shane Ryan and Gold, who I think is actually more important than the other three in terms of his kickout style as well. I actually think he's much better than Shane Murphy in goal, and it, it was epitomised last season. So I think Kerry were without a good view. So I think Donegal maybe it was a good win, but Donegal fans need to maybe calm down a small bit. Like this wasn't the Kerry All Ireland winning team from last year, it was well off it, I think. And uh, the McGrath Cup showed that it was like I looked at the Kerry team before the game. It was relatively the same team that played Cork in the McGrath Cup. Cork beat them by twelve points that night. So I just I just think that wasn't Kerry are not going strong in the league at all. Um, they should beat Monaghan next week at home, especially at home. Monaghan have that trip to travel down, and um, it's down to Killarney. Kerry have way better players than Monaghan, even their second and third team. The likes of Darrell Roach, Killian Spillane, and Tony Brosnan. For example, so I think Kerry should be fine in terms of staying up in the league. Do I think they'll go for the league? Probably not this season. Like I think they'll bake Clifford in probably March, and you know, you know, go for it late on in the league. But um, Donegal still have a lot of work to do. Like they need to beat Monaghan first of all in this league to stay up. They probably need to beat Tyrone probably next week as well. Is it? That's a huge game now. If Donegal win that, you're thinking uh, mission accomplished. They could even stay up now. So. Very good work from Paddy Carr, but next week is the na- main aim now for Toro- the game against Tyrone. So um, one game at a time for Donegal, but um, very good result for them. And um, hopefully they won't get too carried away because that Kerry team, I don't think, was at the races really. Does it maybe say that Kerry's depth in their squad maybe isn't as good as what we think? I mean, Killian Spillane has been a very good impact player coming off the bench in big games plenty of times against Dublin. I remember down the years where he's come off the bench and made an impact, but just a point from him in the game. Like he was fairly quiet, I felt, and thought Mark Curran, who was picking him up, done a very, very good job at sort of limiting his sort of influence on the game. But even maybe a few other lads as well, like not really stepping up to the plate. So maybe does it show that Kerry's sort of depth in their squad isn't as strong as what we think? Maybe so. Like a lot of people were saying last year that Kerry had a brilliant depth and all that. And uh, it was... It was difficult to see how any team could beat them. Now, Killian Spillane's an interesting one because me and Seamus were mentioning that last week on my podcast. Check it out if you haven't uh, already. But um, like, he seems to do well off the bench. Even the game against Cork in 2020, he was the one player coming off and you're thinking, what a performance by him. He's dragging, trying to drag Kerry, kicking and screaming to the monster vining here. But whenever he starts for some reason, he doesn't have the same impact 
I don't know what it is. Maybe he's just a bench player. But it, I, I would have thought that this game, particularly against a Donegal team that a lot of people would say would struggle this season, including myself. And this was the game where Killian Spillane had to, you know, um, shake off the shackles and prove that he's a brilliant player on the ball. Like even Tony Brosnan, I don't think he scored anything in this game. Darrell Roach was the forward that really took the spotlight here, scoring three points from play. And he could be one to watch this season. But what would worry me, without Sean O'Shea, without Paddy Clifford, without David Clifford, if two of those get injured during the championship, this would worry me about Kerry. I think they'll still get out of Munster pretty easily, to be honest. I think Carker, as shown yesterday, are pretty well off it. But I think in terms of All-Irelands, I think Kerry could struggle without without two of those three main players, or maybe even Shane. Shane Ryan is a big loss as well. Without him, Kerry don't tick. So that's um, so that's um, something Jack O'Connor needs to brush up on. Something interesting, actually, Jack O'Connor was claiming that Paddy McBurdy's shot went wide, and he was complaining to the referee at the end of the game. And I was like, "Yeah, it's not, it's, it's a league game. It's the first league game of the season, and you're already complaining." I mean, geez, you know, you're all are the champions. All you have to do is beat Monaghan next week, and all the crisis is averted. You know, so I mean. It was pretty. I don't know. It was it was bad form really from Jack O'Connor to do that. Like I think like Johnny God probably were up for more than Kerry yesterday. So yeah, Kerry should have no qualms about the results yesterday. Move on to next week. Beat Monaghan, and you're as good as safe. So yeah, it's um it was a very, pretty bad form from Jack O'Connor. But um yeah, you would have thought Killian Spillane especially would have stepped up yesterday, but. There was no signs of it yesterday, and there's been no signs of it when he started in the previous games either, which would be a worry for Jack O'Connor going forward. Yeah, plenty of uh, plenty of comments flying in, so much appreciate. Make sure to hit the like button and subscribe if people could as well. Mikey says Mayo's biggest problem has always been an attack. Tommy Conroy backfit is crucial. He's a much player, much better player than Aid Norm. Yeah, like I think you know Aid Norm isn't the finished article, and to be fair, Tommy Conroy is just as young. Um, but I remember, yeah, he's a very explosive footballer, very, very good player. Um, and I was obviously missing last year as well. So to get him back will be will be absolutely uh, crucial. Uh, Miguel says, grateful to get out Castle Blaney with a win. Six points clear and just about held on for a crucial uh, win. Hoping for a league final, but Division 1 isn't easy, um, says an Armagh fan there. Mikey says, what's common? Armagh, league final, here we go. Um, and yeah, I suppose moving on, maybe two of those two games. Looking at Roscommon, first of all, Roscommon 3 11, Tyrone 1 12. Um, worrying times for Tyrone, but for Roscommon, huge, huge victory. I mean, we, we know the problems that, and struggles that they've had in Division One. It's their first win versus Tyrone as well in either league or championship since 2001, which, um, you know, really, really puts things into perspective there from a Roscommon point of view, and um, you know. Ben O'Carroll, great addition to the side, scoring one-two. And the Smith coming off the bench, having a huge influence, setting up two goals. So, yeah, Davy Burke getting a real kick out of these Roscommon lads. He is, yeah. And weirdly enough, um, we mentioned so many podcasts, and I was, I was thinking as I was um, on these podcasts, these various podcasts, that Roscommon could beat Tyrone here because Tyrone's form, especially last week against Derry, like. They were an utter shambles against Derry, and they, they seemed like an utter shambles in this game as well. Like, yeah, Ben O'Carroll, as you mentioned, brilliant performance to two Mortis as well. And I, I, I said this last year, and I say it again Dermot Morton needs to start every game for Ross Common. I think he's an incredible footballer, incredible goal threat as well. And Ross Common need him to start every game. In the Smith was a brilliant link player. Dar Craig is another 
young players. Scored one point yesterday as well, Ben O'Carroll. So Ross Common have very good young players coming through. You look at Connor Cox, who wasn't the star yesterday, another quality footballer. Keen McKeown, who didn't, I don't think, played yesterday, and he's, he's a quality footballer as well. Brian Stack is captain this year at centre-back. Very good player. So, yeah, I think, like, Ross Common could have a good year, I think. I think they have a very good panel. I think the only the only worry for us coming in the championship down the line, particularly, they face me or Galway in the semi-final in Connacht. And that's going to be an incredibly difficult game. It'll be an entertaining game, no doubt. But I think that might be, um, you know, far past Ross Common. But I, I was listening to Darrell O'Connor, actually, on your podcast last week, a small bit, and he was saying, this is the time where Ross Common need to go to a semi-final. And to, to be honest, I've been saying this for years as well. When you look at Ross Common's talents, when you see other counties progress, even Cork reached another semi-final in 2012, Monaghan did in 2018, Cavan and Tip did in 2020. In fact, Tipperary did also in 2016. So when he, And Galway and Derry, obviously, last year. So I'm thinking, this is the time for Ross Common to reach a semi-final. If they're going to show what brilliant talents they have, they have a brilliant team. I think they're one of the best teams in the country right now when you look at the young players in this team. But I think... What Davy Burke can do with them is push them onto another level. When you look at what he's done with said Kildare under 20s, with Wicklow staying in Division 3, with Maynooth University winning the college's league competition, I think his record is absolutely incredible and he's a great motivator as well. So I think Ross Common would have an absolutely outstanding year, uh, to be honest with you. And maybe a semi final could be there, maybe a league final as well, which would be brilliant. But it's crucial now for this Ross Common side to go further into the championship this season or else. The hard work for early on this year, particularly, might be undone. Yeah, like I think it's important not to think too far ahead from a Ross Common perspective. I mean, like last year, I thought they were sensational in Division Two and didn't lose a game, and everything was really going according to plan. Like lost to Galway, and it was a fairly comfortable victory for Galway in the end in, in the Connacht final. Um, but Ross Common did sort of drag it back a little bit late on to make the scoreline a little bit more respectable and then it was the defeat to Clare that probably really put the nail in the coffin from a Roscommon point of view and made the year look a lot worse than what it was but as you're saying there like they do have lots of good players I mean five players who started uh, I seen one of the YouTube comments on the match reaction yesterday and they were saying that five of the under 20 players that played in the All-Ireland final in 2021 the under 20 All-Ireland final featured yesterday so like they have a lot of talent, they have a lot of players, and as you said, you mix it in with the experience of Enda Smith, German Murta, Kieran Murta as well, John Daly, Niall Daly. I mean, lots of very, very good players in and around this Roscommon side. And like, yeah, I agree with you. I think they could possibly be a serious dark horse for something special this year. Exactly. So, and I was thinking the same way last season um, about Roscommon. The Division Two, especially, I thought against Galway in the league final, like they were outstanding that day. Um, but then in the championship, I don't know, it just didn't click really. Like when you look at us against Sligo, I think Sligo had a man sent off and things started to fall apart for them. Galway, they were way off the pace. And then the game against Clare, we were in complete control going into the last few minutes. And then Clare, somehow from five points behind, then somehow win the game. I mean, I don't know what went on Ross Common that day. And I've been seeing it for years really, like even the time when they reached the league semi-final when they played Kerry and Crow Park. I think that season they also lost to Clare. So maybe that's just a coincidence. Maybe the key for Ross Common is just to avoid Clare and the all Ireland qualifiers and you're true, maybe. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a weird coincidence that but um yeah I think Ross Common need to push on. I thought even in 
even in that under 20 final, like I'm, I'm thinking a few players from that day that probably didn't feature much yesterday. James says Patrick, I remember at centre forward that time, was an outstanding footballer as well. And you wonder how does he get into the team? So I think Ross Common have outstanding players, they've an outstanding manager, they've a very good backroom team, they're well drilled. I think Ross Common could have a brilliant year this year, but probably I'll agree with you. They need to, you know, um improve as they go on this season, stay in division one, and then maybe think about it in all Ireland semi-final appearance. Because the likes of Cavan have done it, the likes of Derry, Galway, Monaghan, Tipperary, the list of mm-hmm. counties is kind of endless as well. So why can't Roscommon reach an all Ireland semi-final? So yeah, it's um, it's a brilliant win for Roscommon yesterday, but the next game now is the big game. I'm not actually sure who they're playing next. Um, I think it's Galway they're playing next. It's going to be a big game there, uh, Galway. It's uh, just across the road there. So it's going to be a huge, huge game for Roscommon. If they can somehow get a win in that, maybe the sky's the limit for this Roscommon team. Yeah, playing Galway away next week. So, yeah, I mean, that that that's a very interesting game. I mean, if they can turn Galway over in their own backyard, I mean, it will be a serious, serious statement indeed, even with Galway still potentially missing uh, a few players as well. From a Toronto perspective, I mean, just all doesn't seem right. Like, I was looking at it there since they won that All-Ireland in 2021. They've played 10 games in both league and championship, and they've won three of them, um, which is very, very poor. Actually, four of them when you count the Kildare win as well. And they beat Kildare, Mayo, Kerry, and they also beat uh, Fermanagh in the championship as well. So, look, you'd look at those wins against Mayo and Kerry and think that's absolutely brilliant. And that was at the end of the league last year. And it was probably the only real sort of spark we've seen from Tyrone in the past two years. And um, again, like a strange performance, like they were three points up at about 20 minutes ago. They were looking all right, but it all just fell apart. And yeah, like things just don't seem right at all for the... uh, for, for Toronto, they don't know. It's very, very strange. Like, uh, even last year when Tiernan McCann left, Paul Donahue, outstanding footballers, and they just go and leave the man, Mark Bradley, um, Rory Brennan. Uh, yeah, Rory Brennan was one of them, Lee Brennan was another as well. Like, this is endless of players that have just walked up, left the panel. And I, I don't know what's wrong with this Toronto team. They seem to be going pretty well in the McKenna Cup as well, up until the Derry game, and then they just mm-hmm. collapsed. I don't know what was wrong with this Toronto team. I know I was mentioning on the JMAC podcast last week as well that, um, yeah, if they lo- if they did manage to lose to Roscommon, which they did, they're in serious trouble, this Toronto team. And this could be a domino effect. They play Donegal next week now. Like, if they lose that, and when you look at Donegal's, um, you know, confidence from the Kerry game, especially from yesterday, throw lose that, and they're down at it. Down and out. Like, I think Monaghan is probably the only realistic win there. Kerry still have the Cliffords and uh, Sean O'Shea to come back into the team. Armagh, like, Armagh will look at this to, uh, game against uh, Ross Common for Tyrone and will be licking their lips. You know, I, I think Tyrone are very, very poor. Like, you would have thought last season, like, I was listening uh, for some reason last week, I just came across the analysis of the Derry game last year where they lost 118 to 10 points. That was embarrassing. And Sean Cavanaugh was mentioning this has to be a wake-up moment for Tyrone. It doesn't seem to be now. Like, we're still in the same situation as they were against um, against Derry and against Armagh. Like, um, like Mick Foley was saying at the end of your review, Tyrone are still floating, still dangerous, and they'll be bouncing back from their All-Ireland um, All Ireland collapse. 
but it doesn't seem that way early on in the league. I don't know what is going on at the Toronto camp, but someone was actually mentioning to me as well um, on my Instagram um, reaction comments, if they get relegated and have a terrible year in the all which is a possibility this season, Fergal Logan and Brian Tour could walk them. You know, I, I, I think from going to win the All-Ireland in 2021 to then walking two years later, I mean, it's a huge collapse for Toronto. I don't know where it stops. Like, you would have thought the under-20 success may have breathed confidence into this Toronto team. The likes of Rory Canavan, Connor Cush, all them would move into the team. Slowly but surely, Noel Devlin as well. We've ever scored a point yesterday, as we can see from the match report. But I don't know where, the, where Toronto picked themselves up from this. You know, and if they lose to Donegal next week, unfortunately for the red hand, it could be curtains. Yeah, like and and after the Donegal game as well, they play Galway and Mayo away back to back. And look, I know they've a great record against Mayo recently, but I think you know Mayo would love nothing more to put uh, maybe a final nail in Tyrone's coffin and, and possibly a defeat there. If they lose to Donegal and Galway, could very well see them uh, see them relegated. Um, and yeah, like well, like like as you said there, like they were all Ireland champions in 2021, and I know a lot of people maybe are looking at Fergal Logan and Brian Dewar and saying like there mustn't be something right behind the scenes. But at the same time, like these were the two men who led Toronto to the promised land in 2021. These were the two men who were in charge of that All Ireland win. They won an under 20 All Ireland a couple of years ago. Uh, Fergal Logan did, from what I remember, um, and he got a boy in there, and he got the players. You know, kicking they beat Kerry and Mayo in, in you know in the lead up to the final, and there seems to be a real togetherness in Tyrone, winning their first All Ireland since two thousand and eight. So like, it's mad. Like like I wonder what's changed so quickly if there has you know for, for all of a sudden them to be as poor as they are because yeah, like it it is baffling really. Like you can understand when there's a manager rift, maybe when things aren't going right, but these were the men who won the All Ireland for Tyrone. So yeah, it's bizarre really. Jeez, what do you think about it? Like, at the end of 2021, we mentioned a lot of them people on podcast mentioned about Tyrone, the togetherness. We haven't seen that in years from this Tyrone team. Like, other Ricky Hart, a lot of them were walking away. There didn't seem to be that in Tyrone, and Brian Dewar and Fergal Logan seemed to be making them happy. But then, as soon as 2022 rolls around, you see the list of players going Mark Bradley, Lee Brennan, Paul Donaghy, Tiernan McCann, uh, Rory Brennan this season, Connor McKenna going down to Oz this season as well. Like, I, I don't know what is wrong with Tyrone. Maybe there isn't just the belief there. Maybe they won the All-Ireland and thinking, that's it. You know, this is as far as we're going to go. And there's no point in, um, you know, going even further. Like, when you look at Kerry in Dublin, for example, there's a hunger to win another one back-to-back and another one after that. And Limerick in the hurry in the same way. There, there doesn't seem to be that same, you know, kind of culture in Tyrone. Even when they had them outstanding teams in 3 even in 06 when they lost to Leash and Derry, you know, after winning the All-Ireland with Peter Canavan and all them outstanding players, there didn't seem to be the same drive afterwards. Even 2009, there was a bit of hope then. And then Cork come to Crow Park and absolutely pulled them, you know? Mm. And even, even when Cork were down to 14 men, there didn't seem to be... There was a lack of urgency about this Toronto team. And there's the saying, the Leopards don't change their spots. Maybe this is the same with Tyrone. Maybe once they win the All-Ireland, they're thinking... This is as far as we're going to go, and we're not going to go go again for a second in a row, third in a row, etc., etc. But even like when you think about it, like um, like after their 03 win, the two years after that they won the All Ireland. After their 05 win, two years later, 
they lost to, I think they lost to Mead in the All Ireland quarter final. Two years after they won the All Ireland in 08, they lost to Dublin in 10, which was, wasn't expected at that time. And then this year, it's an utter collapse. So I don't know, like one out of a possible four good years out of um, two years after winning the All Ireland, that doesn't read well for Toronto either. And yeah, I think there's this sort of, I don't know, it's just something that's going on up there. And I don't know, it's, it's something that you can't fix, really, with Tyrone. And even with Brian Doher there, with um, all the All-Irelands he had, I'm thinking maybe he can get something out of this Tyrone team. But look at the performance yesterday and look at the game against Derry, especially a few weeks to, or two weeks ago. It doesn't seem to be that way. And it could be a long, long year for Tyrone. Yeah, worrying, worrying times indeed for for Toronto. Make no mistake about that. And obviously, a big, big game for them next week against Donegal because if they do get beaten there, then all of a sudden relegation looks very, very likely for Toronto. Um, Monaghan they got beat by Armagh one twelve to one fourteen. Huge result for Armagh. Obviously, a tough test for Armagh. Like it's never easy going down to. Castle Blaney and um, obviously that goal in the first half coming from the Rory Began mistake. I mean, that was a goal that really sort of turned the tide of the game because Monaghan were leading at that point. But big results for Armagh. And I suppose the good thing from an Armagh perspective now is that, you know, they're able to grind out these wins. Maybe when it is tough, when the going does get tough, away to a rival, they find a way to win. And, you know, it will, it, will, it wasn't perfect from Armagh from what I heard. I mean, going off the highlights, you, you can't really see too much. But at the same time, They'd be fairly happy to, to get the result and uh, and get the victory. Exactly. So, and even um, the amount of scores I was mentioning a few weeks ago with our man, that's McKenna Cup game, I think it was against Antrim, they had 14 different scores. In this game, joint with Tyrone, they had more scores um, out of any team in the National Football League, 1 to 32. So, nine different scores in the team. Like when you look at the scores running off the page, Aiden Nugent, Ethan Rafferty scoring for playing another. Brilliant score from him. Uh, he was mentioned in depth on uh, League Sunday last night. Andrew Merlin, Ross McQuillan, Rory Grugan, Tiernan Kelly, even a redemption arc for him getting that goal. I know Rory Began made that mistake, but ever since that um that um you know that eye goal, that infamous eye goal, he he goes on and gets a goal of the first game of the league back. So brilliant from him, brilliant to you know get up on the horse and um keep going again. Stephen Campbell again, two points. Reno O'Neill coming back again, two points for play. So, also been good for Armagh. And I think a league could be up there for Armagh because Galway arresting a few players, Kerry arresting a few players. And we're, a lot of people are saying, including myself, before the league, that there's a clear top three in the league. Galway, Armagh, Kerry. And like when you look at Galway, Kerry arresting a few players, Armagh are going gung-ho. I think Armagh could go on and win the league this year. I think... The signs are looking good for this Armagh team and I think they need to win a trophy as well. They need to win an Ulster title. And I think they're going on the right way about it. And you mentioned about them grinding out wins when they weren't particularly good. They weren't particularly good against Donegal in the Ulster Championship last year. They lost heavily. They weren't particularly good the other night and got a win. So all positives for Armagh. Brilliant, brilliant result for them. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to work on performance-wise for them. But I think they could be going on a road for uh, the league title this year. And a first title under Kieran McGinney as well. So that'll be some achievement for this Armagh players. And I suppose for Monaghan, I mean, obviously beaten by two points, but plenty of fight from them. Obviously, Conor McCarthy scoring 1-2. Uh, Michal Bannigan with four points in there as well. Uh, obviously, Vinnie Corey's first game as manager of Monaghan. And, um, you know, from looking at the highlights again, I mean, look, they, fair, they, they you know they fought two to nail. They got themselves a late goal. 
Armagh really, you know, hanging on towards the end of the game. But like from Monaghan's perspective, obviously disappointed with the defeat at home, and it will be very tough for them to stay in the in the division this year, in my opinion. But at the same time, like a few positives to take from the game. There is, yeah. Like there was a few different scores uh, for Monaghan as well. Conor McCarthy, Mihal Banigan scoring three points for play, who I really rate as a player. That Roy Bacon mistake, like you could argue if that didn't happen, Monaghan could be on the way to a win. So, yeah, Monaghan were looking this game like Shane Carey, Sean Jones, Desi Ward. There was very good um, performances all over the field for uh, Monaghan this game. But um, I think, honestly, they could... Um, they could go down this season. It's not like Toronto where it's an absolute mess in the camp or anything like that. I think there's good unity, but maybe there's the situation. I just don't think Monaghan are good enough this year to stay up. Um, like it, I mentioned, it's James Brady last week as well. Maybe they use up their nine lives, like a like a regular cat. But I, th- I think they have honestly this uh, Monaghan team. I think they've been in the league for long enough now. And yeah, um, when you look at Ross Common's performance yesterday. Look, I think realistically, when you look at the performance all over the weekend and taking into account performances last year, I think the team, the only team that could beat realistically are Tyrone, possibly Donegal, to stay in the league. Which they could do. They've done it before. But I think this modern team have probably used up their nine lives by now. And I think they could be on the road to relegation, unfortunately. But there's still some positives. There's good performances take from the game. But going down to Kerry next week, I know Kerry are playing their second or third team right now, but I still think going down to Killarney or Tralee, that's going to be a tough, tough assignment for this Monaghan team. Yeah, like I think like looking at their fixtures there as well, like they do play Donegal and Tyrone at home before playing Mayo away on the final day, so if they could get two wins there going into that final game against Mayo, like that would be, you know, could it be set up for them maybe to pull off the great escape uh, once again, Um, but it would be very tough to, to get at, at McHale Park, but yeah, as you said there, like definitely Definitely going to be tough for them, but at the same time, you know, some good performers in there, Michal Bannigan, Connor McCarthy as well. I think Jack McCarron was looking on the Scorpio app, went off after a couple, you know, a couple of minutes, so maybe a potential injury there. Um, so hopefully, hopefully he's all good. But at the same time, from a, a Monaghan perspective, definitely a lot to be positive for. Moving on to Division Two, where it is all happening, and uh, Dublin one eleven Kildare. 13 points at Crow Park. Uh, not a great performance by Dublin by any stretch of the imagination. I was saying on Twitter, like I think a lot of Division 3 teams would have beaten Dublin. I think they were definitely there for the taking. And, um, you know, Kildare, massive missed opportunity, in my opinion. It could have been their first win at Crow Park since uh, 2000, I think it was. So, um, yeah, huge opportunity missed. few positives from Dublin. I think the main one is the result. But I suppose what were your thoughts watching on as a neutral? Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a strange game. I thought it was boring at the start, to be honest with you. Like, a lot of them uh, made behind the ball. I'm thinking, like, Dublin, All-Ireland champions for six times in a row, as recently as 2020, and then doing this against Kildare. I mean, yeah. no offence, Aaron, but it looked pretty bad, you know. Um, but uh, at the same time, look, it wins a win. Um, they didn't perform particularly well. Even Brian Fence getting man the match, I think, and getting team of the week, to be honest. Like, he only scored a goal, and that was it, really. For Brian Fenton, I didn't think he had a, a usual brilliant Brian Fenton performance. I know Jack Robinson from Kildare deserved it to be honest, you know, honestly, but we'll leave that. But um, yeah, they scored one seven from Blake. Kildare scored eight points. Like Kildare had both scores in Dublin in the game as well. Now Kildare will be coming out of this game thinking, how did we not win it? 
you know. Um, look, I think the defence was after the Brian Fenton goal, they kind of shored up a bit. I thought they did well in their uh, points, but you mentioned on the live stream as well, Kildare won goal chance in the entire game. And against Dublin, like I know you're going for a win, but that's really not acceptable against the uh, Dublin team. They got almost scored, to be fair, to them, but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a weird game, really weird game. Both sides performed poorly. Sean Kaplan was energy last night as well. It was a almost like a Division Two game, which is not really a compliment to Dublin. Like even the players coming on, like um, like yeah, Darcy fell out. I think it was number twenty five. I think he was Killian O'Gara. His name was, and I'm thinking, geez, where where did you get this guy? Where are you getting all these players? Like even the players um coming on for Dublin. Uh, that night, like I'm, I'm, I'm rolling through the names here. Davy Byrne, I suppose, Dean Rock, Pader Coffee Byrne, but Colin Baskill is usually a club player and didn't really impress either. Killing O'Gara coming on, Dean Rock, in, in fairness, only took a free really um, and didn't do much other than that. Davy Byrne's a defender, Pader Coffee Byrne came on very late, which is a bit surprising. Um, I honestly think maybe he should start instead of Tom Hiff in midfield, he adds more to the Dublin attack. I think Dublin's defence is actually quite good this season when you look at it. Like John Small there, decent enough. Lee Gannon, Keen Murphy. Like Greg McEnany was a bit of an off-field pick. I never heard of the guy before. Maybe you have, Aaron. I've, I've never heard of him. Him Like Owen Merchant coming back from a few injuries. One positive, I suppose, David O'Hanlon, I actually think is better than Evan Comerford. So maybe you could start him. In uh, the Leinster Championship, even lads like Noel Scully, Kieran Kilkenny, Colin O'Hallan, they just weren't on it that night. So I, I don't know what was up with them really. Sean McMahon, it was almost like you were playing a sweeper that night as well. Ross McGarry, I don't think, scored much. Cara Costello was in and out of the game. So it was a poor performance on Dublin. But as you mentioned, look, a win's a win. Um, they got out with a win. But Kildare, look at their performance and the amount of good performances in the forward line particularly. You'd be thinking as a Kildare fan, how on earth did we not win that game against Dublin? We had more scores. We probably had better performance levels than them. So how did we not win it? You know, but look, Kildare will look to next week against Cork, a gimme. Um, and Dublin will look um, to another gimme against Limerick and they'll move on again next week. So maybe they'll get confidence by battering Limerick next week. Who knows? This Dublin team. Yeah, I mean, like, there was a lot of rustiness there, all right. And I suppose, like, with Dublin in the O'Byrne Cup down the years, like, and in particular this year, like, it was a development team that played. Like, there was no, you know, barely any of the players that even played in the in this game, in the league, even featured in that defeat to Offaly, for example. So, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of rustiness. Like, even Conal Callaghan in the first half didn't look up to the pace. He, he got better in the second half, but was fairly slow. Kieran Kilkenny... Like playing a full forward, I've said it time and time again. Like I think he he has to play in the half forward line because that's where you see the best out of him. Like he he's the man who who's setting up scores. He's you know picking out players in front of him and as well as like making forward runs and getting a few scores himself. I just think in a full forward, you just don't really see the best out of him. To be honest with you, um, like he was fairly quiet. I felt and yeah, like a, a lot of sort of disappointing performances. But I suppose the strange thing was as you said there. Like I mean. Dublin were very, very defensive. I mean, there was multiple times I remember watching in the first half and you've seen every Dublin player inside their own 45, which I did find a little bit odd. Now, we have seen Dublin be defensive down the years, you know, against the likes of Kerry and Mayo. Like, when they have a lead, they're trying to shore things up and, you know, slow the game down and everything else. But to be doing that against Kildare in the first half, no disrespect to Kildare, like, good side, but 
like realistically, like look what we done to Kildare last year when we attacked them, when we went after them. It was strange that we didn't do that this year against Kildare. And it led me to think that maybe a bit like Kerry against Cork in 2020, Dublin are potentially preparing for something further down the line. Like, is this the game plan they're going to have when they potentially meet Kerry or potentially meet Mayo or whoever it may be, Galway or Ma, to try and beat them in a big, big championship game? I mean, because it was, it was strange seeing that against Kildare. Yeah, it was really strange, really strange. And even when you look at him, some of the opponents in Division 2, like Kildare will probably be up at the higher end of Division 2. So, so to do that against that kind of a team makes it even stranger. You know, like Dublin could have easily lost that game. Why not try it against Limerick next week? I, I know, like, no disrespect to Limerick now. They're up from Division 3, brilliant achievement and all that. But realistically, Dublin are going to hammer Limerick any day of the week. So maybe try it against Limerick when you know you're going to win. But it was the Kildare game. I know Kildare, you, you're you saying it yourself, like you look at the Leinster final, they were way ahead of Kildare. But to do it with that forward line, with Dara Kieran on the pitch, imagine if they had Daniel Flynn as well, if he was fit enough for this game. Kildare could have won it, you know? So, like, that was a huge risk for Dublin to take. They got away with it. Look, they won it. I don't think, um, I don't think Dublin would be complaining. They'll go back to the training ground now, but... Like, it was strange, really strange. But even the duels in the first half, I thought was pretty poor. Now, I mentioned as well, like, judging by the car count in all the league games, this was by far the, I would say, the dirtiest game. And it didn't really look dirty, to be honest, with 11 yellow cards in this game. I think the ref was a bit card happy, giving out cards for the sake. I think Glenn Ryan from the kill their manager got to the yellow card at the start of the second half as well. So the game entirely was slow. Very, very slow. Um, usually Division 2 games would be entertaining, but this game, I don't know, even Dublin games, like you'd usually see, I don't know, score lines in 120, 117. Um, even on a bad day, let's say 113 or 116. But they scored 111. Like that, that doesn't really bode well for Dublin. I think they'll have a limber next week, but look, I think... Like I think Dublin are gonna go up anyway. There's no there's no qualms about that. But if you're if Dublin produced that performance against the likes of Kerry, against Galway, against Armagh, they could get they could get a bit of a hiding if if them sides are on it, particularly for the first minute. You know, so this is a worry for Dublin, I think, um, going down the line. Even the players coming off the bench as well. Like I don't, I don't know. I, I know like there is positives like Jack McCaffrey's coming back, Paul Mannion's coming back to the team. So there are positives in that regard. But by that performance the other night, it looked slow, it looked lethargic. And um, yeah, it was a very, very strange game to watch. Very boring indeed. The first Alliance League game of the season to watch on TV, it wasn't really pretty. And I don't think people in Crow Park got their money's worth. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like I, I was doing a watch along for the game, and it was it was very hard to do, to be honest, because you were running out of things to to talk about very quickly. Um, but from a Kildare perspective, I mean, they didn't win the game, as you said, and they'll definitely look back and you know they'll be disappointed about that. But some positives to take, like I mean, Jack Robinson looks like a very good player. Three points from him. Uh, Derek here one again, very impressive. Jimmy Hoyland with three points as well. Um, still have Daniel Flynn to come back. So you know, for Kildare. They'd be happy with how they played. I mean, defensively, I thought they'd done very well. Um, you know, and look, they compete very well with Dublin. And I think that's the main thing. And it will give them confidence if they are to meet Dublin in the Leinster Championship in Crow Park 
at some point later in the year. Maybe so, but when you think about like Paul Mannion, Jack McCaffrey to come back, I think that this will be a well different Dublin team by then. So, like, mm-hmm. I would think this was probably the chance for Kildare to beat Dublin. We mentioned that in the live stream as well. And yeah, you had that feeling like um, Kildare's shooting actually in the first half was incredible. Zero wides. Like, that was a pretty good, pretty good showing. But the problem was in the entire game, they had five short in inter county level against Dublin. I mean, that's not really good enough from a Kildare point of view. Like, um, when you look, their kickouts were pretty good, turnovers very good. Um, their discipline at times was um, maybe off the charts, a small bit. But, but look, Kildare, they should take positives from this game that they competed with Dublin, albeit Dublin performed very poorly themselves. So maybe there's the there's the thing in their heads that they think we could have won this game, we left it behind us. But look, they'll move on to next week. I think they'll, they'll definitely win next week anyway, next Sunday. They'll, they'll win that pretty comprehensively. They're back at their own patch in Newbridge against a very, very poor Cork team. So I think they'll probably win next week. And then they're on two points and they're up there again. I think they'll be targeting the Derry game now till they're to gain promotion. Like I think Mead is another big game, another big rivalry. For that, Clare could be a big game as well. Usually Clare have a good record against Kildare. So... Like that could be a game that uh, the Lily Whites could be wary of. But look, I think defensively as well, they weren't too bad. But at the same time, Dublin didn't really the passes were there, if you if you get what I'm saying. Like they were in the first few minutes for Brian Fenton's goal, but they just weren't there in um any time after that. So like um Kildare really didn't get a test after that. So yeah, they'll have to work on the training ground about that. How can we and avoid conceding, you know, sloppy goals like the Brian Fenton goal the other night. It was kind of like the same situation in Leinster finally leaving space in front of him. But the only positive, they did it only once in the game. So maybe they, instead of five times in one half, so maybe they can take that as a positive. But like if Daniel Flynn comes back into the team, I think they will be a force Kildare. So I think there are some positives to take for Kildare. But then the, ne- the big negative is Dublin weren't at their best. The game was there for the taking to win. And not just for the league to get promoted, but psychologically as well for these Kildare players. To win in Crow Park would be incredible for this team. And I think they just left it behind them, in all honesty. And yeah, they'll move on to next week anyway. They'll probably get a win. But um, yeah, it's um, it's a difficult difficult one to take that they didn't beat Dublin while uh, the rivals were playing so poorly. Yeah, Donald says here, uh, Monaghan seemed good considering Jack got injured. And McManus rested. And uh, Michael also says our man missing a few players, uh, though the two Mackins, Greg McCabe, James Morgan, and Ben Creeley, all uh, all absent there. So definitely a lot to be positive for from a Armagh perspective with players coming back into the team at some point further down the line. Cork, 19 points. Mead, 314. Matthew, where did it go wrong? Oh, like, I, I, I don't know like, yeah, I thought the McGrath Cup we turned the corner you know um, beating Kerry doing so well against Limerick like Kevin Walsh coming in to, to coach defensively even at half time 11 points to 1-6 and you're thinking the new carpet is back then Jordan Morris scores a goal and I, I, I honestly like it, it's just yearly at this point I don't know when it's going to stop like um, like maybe we overrate our players a bit too much as well like like I've rated Sean me and Daniel Omani on this channel a few times at centre back and full back and I was hoping we'd build a partnership there but the, it just wasn't there at the weekend 
we were all over the place, all over the place defensively. And even even in the forwards as well, like we had no players to take the me players on. Like usually when we go past the 45, we turn around, hand pass again. We were doing that against Derry last season in Old Big. I mean, like we 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 thought in the McGrath Cup against Limerick particularly, I know it's only Limerick, but when you look at the game against Limerick in full, we were kicking the ball, we were threatening the opposition with intricate passes. But this time yesterday was just dreadful. You know, even like you, you know, a player that could break a line. Like, to be honest, the only players that were willing to break a line were probably Sean Potter, Matty Taylor, and um, I would say Chris Oak Jones as well. The rest of them, I mean, it was it was just ridiculously bad to watch, really. Like, the midfield wasn't particularly bad, Colin McCallum and McGuire. I actually think we won the midfield battle pretty handily, but it's just the basic, defending basics, like. Even the Shane Walsh goal when Kevin O'Donovan gets turned. But I'd be questioning who's in behind. You know, and just just some basics as well. Like, even the Michal Martin save at the first half. The warning zone should have been there. Like, even Jason Scully, I think, had the ball. And Sean Meehan, he retreats. And you're thinking, what are you taught of as six and seven-year-old young GA players? Go to the danger. None of the cop players were going to the danger. They were chasing the B players. All over the fields, they were running in different directions. The Killian O'Sullivan goal, the Torgo really took the biscuit. I mean, how much space do you need? I mean, it was it was just, you know, it angered me to be honest, Aaron. After you know weeks of uh, people saying the Kevin Walsh effect, it's taking effect now. Kerry didn't really have a goal chance in the McGrath Cup. Limerick, you know, but I said it last week. I said it on my live stream last week on my GSAT on YouTube channel. These the two goals Limerick scored will not impress Kevin Walsh, and we have to be wary of this. Don't make the same errors like we did against Limerick against Meath, and we did it even worse. How is that possible? You know, it's it's just it was it was just frustrating to watch. To be honest with you, um, like the first half wasn't particularly bad. Like we scored eleven points. Then in the second half, like coming into the game, if you said Cork would score nineteen points. I'll be thinking two points on the board. Okay, we'll move on to Kildare next week. We could go into the Dublin game with a bit of confidence in Parky Keith. But somehow we lost. We could see the three goals, three sloppy goals, three avoidable goals as well. And I actually think this B team, I don't think they're that good. And we made them look like prime Dublin at times. I, I, I mean, it was just, it was very, very bad to watch. Like, even look at the B game before the game, I was thinking... Like, this isn't the big of old. I don't think they're that good. Like, Shane Walsh, okay, Jordan Morris, but when you look at the players out the field, I didn't, I literally didn't know who they were before the game. And they've just announced themselves now, and it had to be against Cork. You know, it's it's like um, a lot of people were saying, uh, a lot, uh, one step forward, two steps back. It's a, it's a big battle for Cork, and... Like you said it earlier on the channel, we're one result away from crisis. I said on J- the JMAC podcast last week, this game's important. A lot of car fans were getting ahead of themselves, thinking, oh, we won the McGrath Cup. We beat Kerry by 12 points. The old Cork is back. We have a settled team. And I said it, we have a settled team this year and we're building under John Cleary. But then at the start of this year, I'm, t- I'm thinking to the lads, to the car fans, relax, lads. It's the McGrath Cup. We have me next week. Me could turn up at Parky Keeve. And run asunder on us. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, it was just awful to watch. Like um, at least Dublin performed poorly for, from your point of view and win again. We perform 
really, really badly in one half of football and we lose our first game. And all of a sudden now, we're staring down the barrel of Italian Cup. I mean, how how quickly fortunes can change within a few hours? I mean, it's incredible, Aaron. Yeah, it's mad, all right. And Joseph says, uh, since we lost our... There was another comment here. Cork have been in that title since 2015, since we lost that controversial Munster final mm-hmm. replay. Um, yeah, like, I mean, and, and that's the thing with Cork, and, and that's why I even said, and I was saying it to you, and, you know, obviously I'm, in my predictions video as well, where I was even saying, like, you know, Cork are always one defeat away from a crisis, and, you know, like, they since really, since they've won the All-Ireland, really, maybe sort of in 2012, 2013, they, they kind of looked fairly well, but and they were consistent enough back then, but it just seems like one good, one bad result, and it all just comes tumbling down, and you even look at the fixtures now as well, Kildare next, um, away from home and then Dublin at home and look Dublin didn't look particularly great to be fair but you'd expect them to you know be a little bit better by the time they play Cork in about two three weeks time so like all of a sudden for Cork I mean like if, if they don't get anything from those two games all of a sudden then it's another relegation battle and I'll tell you this for a fact Aaron we won't we won't look at the game particularly yesterday like the, the amount of, I know being in Hamley was saying yeah, he's from the JMAP podcast as well. Take, give it time. Kevin Walsh, I played under him. He's an excellent uh, tactician and all that, but like, he's not going to fix the problem within a week. These, I, I don't know what, what was going on defensively. Like, so many players just, just switched off yesterday completely. I, I don't know what was what was the issue. Like, we make Kildare, or sorry, Meath, look like prime Dublin with forwards like, um, like Jordan Morris and Shane Walsh. And to be honest, they're the only recognisable forward, leaking forwards that Mead had yesterday. Imagine when we come up against Jimmy Hyland, Jack Robinson and Derek Heron next week in Newbridge. We are going to get destroyed. You know, and we, another thing, like cynicism as well. Like, I thought this Cork team turned the corner last year. Ocean McConville was even mentioning the game management was there against the likes of Limerick, against Dublin, against Loudon, against Kerry last season. But when you look at the free count, and this was particularly interesting by stats yesterday, Cork conceded nine threes, me conceded 23. You might think me they were a dirty team, but whenever Cork were moving up the field, me had the cynicism to drag him down. You know, be smart in your play, defend properly, tackle properly. Me had that, you know, they didn't have recognisable players in their defence, but boy, they were well able to tackle. We weren't able to tackle yesterday. And I mean... Where we go from here now, and I don't, I don't know, like we we'll probably lose to Kildare next week. We'll lose to Dublin. That that's just um, a write off. I knew that from the get go. Like Dublin are just much better than us. They all of a sudden that Limerick game now in Parky Cave is so important. If we manage to lose the Limerick now, lads are just going to leave to America and we're staring down the barrel of the Italian Cup with half a team. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's. Like it's tough times. It, like, like it's just so disappointing, Aaron, because we had so much potential. Looking at the McGrath Cup, a lot of people were bigging us up. James O'Donoghue was saying on the football pod, Cork are going to be a dark horse this year. We're going to go up from Division Two. We'll go to the Derry game in the last game of the season in Parky Keeve and thinking we could get promotion here. We can go up with Dublin, have a day out in Crow Park against Dublin in the league final. All of a sudden, that result yesterday. And our season has completely turned upside down. And 
I don't see where we're going to get any points out of our next two games, Aaron, honestly. Like, when you look at even further down the line, Limerick, we should beat Limerick, but you don't know about this car team. Clare, I don't think we'll beat them in Ennis now. I, I don't. I simply don't. I think Clare, you know, had the grit and determination we mentioned against Loud uh, yesterday as well. So I think Clare is good as, um, good as last year, really. You look at the next few games after that, we should beat Loud, but then again, that's a draw, so you don't know what's going to happen there. And Derry are in the form of their lives as well and will be gaining um, gain confidence to go on a promotion charge. So mm-hmm. we could be looking at a situation where Cork have only two points on the board. Like it's, it's, it's worrying times. Really, really worrying times. And uh, from going from a situation where we're thinking we could be up there with the likes of Kildare, Derry and Dublin and challenging, you know, gaining a bit of confidence this season. Again, like Derry and Galway last season, to get to a semi-final in the blue, to stare down the barrel of um, basically the Europa League of GA. I mean, that's that, that's all I have to say. And it's really bad, really bad situation for Cork at the moment. Yeah, Mead man says, let's not forget GA stats when predicted Mead to come seventh. And Cork third, not any hate. Uh, love the content. Um, yeah, no, look, and I think a lot of us did predict me to fin- you know, I think I said they'd finish sixth and maybe Cork fourth, I think were, were my predictions. But at the same time, yeah, like you know, we, we didn't quite see me having it in them to turn to, to turn Cork over in the end. And I suppose word on me, like as you said, maybe you know, it was a strange game, like they were behind for most of it, and it wasn't really until that Jordan Morris goal where they sort of you know woke up and, and really sort of dug the victory out. But for Calm O'Rourke to get a win away at Cork, I mean, that's a great start. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, maybe Mead were the team that a lot of people were looking at to be in a crisis. And um, before you know it, here we go. They're, uh, they've got a victory and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them now going forward. It will be. Uh, the, the reason, actually, I predict them to finish seventh, and I said this plenty of time, I didn't see any stars in that Mead team. Like, they're playing Matthew Costello as a full forward, for example, and, to me, he's a defender. I, I don't know why you're um, playing him in the full forwards. Like Jordan Morris, I see, is a star in that team. Uh, Shane Walsh is a good up-and-coming player, but didn't show his um, potential up until yesterday. It had to be against Carpenter anyway. Like Donnie McGowan is a good player for Rattles. I think Harry Hogan was an excellent goalkeeper. Weirdly enough, though, Harry Hogan had a pretty poor game yesterday in terms of kickouts. So, um, yeah, it was uh, pretty weird, but... When you look at the defence and the bench, particularly for me, I was looking at it before the game and thinking, who's who, literally? Like, I didn't know who the Mead players were defensively, other than Donald Kyoga, perhaps. And they performed brilliantly. Like, defensively, I thought their tackling was superb. I thought their cynicism was brilliant. So, yeah, bear in mind, though, you were playing a car team that just didn't know the basics of defending. So, maybe, like, you, you play a team next week that are much more united defensively and clear. You'll see how um, they'll get on there. Like Park Talton, it's a pretty much a fortress, fortress of a stadium. So I think you could be clear. But then again, look, I think if you beat Clare next week, I think me could be up there promotion-wise. I think they're a pretty good side. Win for either side, really, for Clare or Bees. We'll mention Clare in the minutes. But the only thing that's, um, that's the meaning for me now, get to the Clare game. And it's interesting, like Culver Rogue has mentioned so many things um, on the Sunday game. Whereas um, I think um, kick pass, I think Joe Bradley mentioned us a few um, on a tweet earlier today about uh, meets kick passing, meets cynicism. Colin Baroque actually mentioned those particular scenes on the Sunday game and he implemented this into these, these me players, which is um, yeah. another positive. 
And um, yeah, another reason actually just came into my head why I predicted me to finish seventh because let's not forget Aaron in the O'Brien Cup they struggled badly against Leash, against Longford, and against uh, Carlo. Like they struggled to beat Carlo. Like Carlo, I think were ahead at half time, and they were thinking, where is this meeting going? But then yesterday. They had a very, very good start. They implemented some very good stuff like Colum O'Rourke, Sean Boyle in the back room, Stephen Bray, legendary player as well. So if they beat Clare next week, I think Mead could be onto something in the league. So, But it's important for these Mead fans to not get ahead of themselves just yet. Yeah, like I think, you know, one or two one or two defeats and, and they could very well be dragged back into a possible relegation scrap. But obviously playing Clare next week would be a huge game for them at home and a chance to obviously put uh, Roy, that defeat to Clare in the in the championship last year. Uh, moving on from that, we Derry who beat Limerick by a scoreline of sixteen points to four. I mean, an absolute domination. And um, I mean, when you look at how well Derry done in the McGrath Cup, they you know completely tore Tyrone inside and out. And um, you know Connor Glass back straight away into the team. No messing about after the All Ireland Club final last weekend. And um, I think Shane McGuigan scored nine points from what I've seen. Derry going very, very strong. And, I mean, Limerick, just no way of dealing with this Derry side at all. No, there isn't. Like, um, I think they've gone under the radar a small bit, Derry. Even before the Tyrone game, a lot of people were talking about Tyrone down, how they'd recover in the McKenna Cup. But um, I, I just think um, this Derry team is pretty good. Like, when you look at um, Connor Glass, they're pretty good performance from him. Uh, the Wally Graham's game, lads, performed well. But... There is a question about player welfare as well. Why are these lads actually playing in this game? I, I really I really don't know. Conor McGuckian on the bench as well. Um, there was another Watty Graham's then that I think Ethan da- um Ethan Doherty, I think was the one one of the Doherty said was playing in this game as well. And you're thinking, why is is there any need for them to play in this game? But look, they got the win, Shane McGuigan outstanding, Niall Toner in a very good game as well. So onwards upwards for Derry, but uh, Limerick. I had high hopes about this Limerick team. Uh, you know, honestly, I thought they'd stay up in Division 2 because of their strength and conditioning and what's been done behind, behind the scenes. Ray Dempsey's doing a good... You know, he's a good manager. He's done well with not more. And I think that, I thought this Limerick team would build on their successes in the last few seasons. But it probably just showed this Limerick team has a bit to go yet in development. And, um, yeah, it was, unf- it was a harsh lesson for this Limerick team. But, um, yeah, Derry well-deserving winners. But I question why the Watty Graham's lads were playing this game. Considering they might, well, the decision will be made in that situation with Kim McCutt tonight. So, um, they could be playing in a club final then. So, what then? You know, so it's mad. It really is mad. But look, win is a win for Derry. They'll move on to next week now. And they'll have definitely much more tougher tests than this. But a good win to get Derry going. Yeah, no, it definitely is all right. And uh, as Charlotte said here, Derry only conceding four points. I mean, that's. Incredible stuff, really, from a from a dairy perspective, and and how well they've started Division Two. And when you look at Dublin, maybe a bit inconsistent, potentially not quite at the races just yet. And obviously, um, you know, Cork haven't started quite poorly as they have. You know, there is a chance where Derry could really go on and and, and cruise through this league and, and potentially go on and win the, the Division Two title. But obviously, from Limerick, as you said, like still plenty of games to to turn things around, but. Definitely finishing with four points. It's a very, very low tally. Um, and whether you could put that down to great defensive work from Derry, obviously none of us seen the game because there was no highlights shown on Allianz League Sunday. But, you know, finishing with four points, it, it is quite worrying there from um, from a Limerick perspective. 
You've Claire, 13 points. Loud, 1-9. Four points in injury time for Claire to miraculously turn it around and get the victory. Um, incredible in the end. And you have to feel sorry a bit for Loud because what a win this would have been to go away to Claire, one of the Division 2 solidifiers in many ways. Um, but fair play to Claire. Look, they, they dig it out and they do what they do best, which is pulling off victories in Division 2. Jamie Malone did what he did best last minute scores to win the game. Okay, brilliant score from him and brilliant determination shown by this clear team. They could have easily laid down. A few other teams would have laid down for this low performance. Look, I was hearing from uh, fellas that were at the game, like GA, this was one of them, a clear fan, and um, a very good clear fan at that. He was mentioning Loud were playing the same way as the Cork game last year, which, to be honest, it didn't surprise me. But Loud are just that type of team. They sit back and they make it frustrating. But the main thing for this clear team is they won. And that was a brilliant, brilliant win to get. And yeah, they're playing Mead next week now. They have poor record against Mead. Win that. And I think Clare could be a dark horse for promotion. Like when you look at their next few games, like um, they've, they've um, a very good team. Like they've Limerick, they should beat them. Cork and Cork's performance, they should beat them as well. So the main thing is probably they'd be targeting Derry game. No disrespect to Derry now, but um, they're not going to beat Dublin and Crow Park. So like it's it's good, it's a good win for Clare, very good win. And as for Loud, I've seen a few um, Loud fans actually complaining there was a few minutes added for additional time onto the six minutes there were seven minutes played. And I was thinking, after what Loud did in the O'Burn Cup, maybe a bit of karma there. Maybe a bit of karma. So, um, yeah, it was, um, it was a good win for Clare. But uh, Loud, they still have time to recover. I still think they'll make it hard for any opponents in Division 2. And that was a good start. They could have won this game, but... Clear, they showed that dogged spirit, and Colin Collins, his team does it again. Yeah, poor loud, poor loud. They never seem to quite get the rub of the green in these in these close games. Um, moving on to Division Three, Westmead one six, Cavan twelve points. Big result for Cavan there to go away to Westmead, get revenge on Westmead, who obviously beat them in the Tallinn Cup final last year. Um, looking at the highlights on Allianz League Sunday, like and looking at the score as well, like a bit disappointed with Westmead, like to only finish with one six. I think they only scored two or three points from play in the entire game, which was a little bit poor. Um, and obviously, it is the first game for for Desi Dolan coming in as manager. They obviously have a Sam McGuire place already wrapped up, so maybe there isn't as much pressure on them in the league. But like I have to say, performance wise and you know scoring wise, a little bit disappointing from a Westmead perspective. But big results for for Cavan and a. A strong start for them and when you see through the, the years in the league they have had a few poor starts and then sort of played catch up as the, as the league has gone on but that's a, a big result for them it's a very good result for them and uh, I suppose the main turning point in it looking at Leeds Sunday looking at the Scorpio app as well was the Sam McCartan black card like that probably changed the game like um, like Westmead couldn't really recover I think Cavan's main players actually stood up in this game. Ray McGalligan scoring three frees. Very good performance from him. Um, like Martin Riley, experienced campaigner there. Like they, they lost Thomas Gallagher. I think Paddy Hinch wasn't playing yesterday either. And yeah, it was a it was a very good victory for Cavan. Like it was a comfortable victory. Yeah, like uh, Westmead at three points and one point in the second half. Yeah, it was a very good win for Cavan. And Westmead, it will take time. I think a lot of people were thinking they won the Talton Cup and They'd easily go up, and um, I think Paul Finn was actually mentioning about Westmead. There isn't much pressure on them to uh, go, considering they're guaranteed a Sam McGuire place. 
after their Tanti Cup win last season. So maybe Jonas is off them for Nick for this year. But to be honest, this was one of Westmead's hardest opponents in Cavendish. Like Down would be the other hard opponents. Like if Westmead win the other games and maybe sneak a victory against Down, I think and Cavan maybe drop a few points. I think Westmead could still chance for promotion. It's not the end of the world for them. I think they'll go again in the next few weeks. But a uh, brilliant victory for Cavan. Brilliant to get off the mark, which they haven't done in the last few years. And that ended up in them going down the leagues eventually to Division 4. So, very, very good win for Cavan. And a uh, very impressive performance from them. Yeah, like, and I think, I think, I, I still fancy Westmead to get promoted. Like, I still stick to that, um, you know, um, still stick to that prediction. But definitely a lot of work to be done anyways. And, and you know, I think the problem for Westmead in the league in the last couple of years has been inconsistency and not being able to get a good results run of results together. Um, but obviously looking at the next weekend, you, you'd certainly expect them to bounce back. Tipperary won 11 down to 11 there. Obviously late goal by Tipperary made, made the game look a little bit closer than what it was. Uh, seen Connor Francis got a goal in the first half and big results for down. And um, I seen Stephen Poacher's tweet as well about, Jim McGuinness somewhat being involved. Uh, took a training session, I believe, before uh, a week before. But obviously, it has now been confirmed from Conor Laverty, the down manager, that he's not involved and he just took a training session, whereas Poacher maybe implied that he was in with the you know part of the backroom team. So sort of an interesting scenario there. I don't know what was going on there. Um, but nonetheless, great results for, for down. And their first league win since, since 2021. Yeah, very good victory for Down. And I think they're kind of a county on the up now. Conor Laverty, I think uh, Kevin McGorty actually mentioned that Conor, Conor Laverty was one of the best coaches in Ireland. And I actually nearly agree with that. So I think he's an incredible motivator of players, incredible motivator from Kilku as well. Kind of surprised there was only two Kilku players in the Down team. Maybe they take some more persuading to get on the team. But this is a good start for them. Like Pat Haveron scoring 1-4 as well. Pretty good uh, performance from him. Like... Like, yeah, it was a brilliant win for Down and brilliant all positives all rose in the garden. The Tipperary still have a lot to prove on. I think this was a decent enough performance considering I think Down will get promoted this year. I think they, they have that bit about them this year. They have the steeliness. I think they have very good players coming out through the ranks. Let's not forget the under-20 teams that played Roscommon in that semi-final a few seasons ago and won Ulster as well. So pretty good um, players coming up through the ranks for Down and Kilku players might come back into it. As regards to Stephen Poacher tweet, what on earth was he was he thinking we were supposed to think, you know? Like, <laughs> I know it's it's a ridiculous situation, you know, and you're saying, oh, Jim McGuinness uh, coming in all all brilliant, all um all um brilliant for down. Jim McGuinness has just come in to coming in as well, all looks good. And we're thinking, like Jim McGuinness has come in. Oh my god, this is a new story yeah. here. Like like, I, I, I honestly wonder with these managers now for sake. Are they just trying to make a story out of nothing? Seriously, you know. Well, to be honest, like Jim McGinnis taking a drip training session, that's still impressive. And say what Tinky did with um with uh, what's the club Nate Martin and Loud under yeah. Samuel Roy, who you mentioned on the podcast as well. So, and you've seen they won a Loud championship as well. So, like, that could be good for Down. And a lot of people were thinking they could win the championship. I wonder what people are thinking now that has been confirmed that he's not on the management team at all. But, um, yeah, very good victory for Down. But as regards to Stephen Poacher, um, maybe stay with the coaching rather than tweeting and you should be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, like, I've listened to him on a good few podcasts and 
everything else and he he does seem very insightful and seems like a good chap and everything else but yeah i'm not sure what what happened there like i don't know like if you know and then you wonder is there something more going on and you know conor laverty's trying to keep it under wraps um because poster would have a lot of good connections within down like, i think he was managing the under 20s at one point um, or involved with the minors and he's obviously managing um in the down club championship at the moment as well so a little bit a little bit of an odd tweet there um nonetheless but we'll certainly have to uh to, to keep an eye on that space sort of in the in the coming weeks uh moving on antrim 12 points awfully 212 big result there for the faithful county they start with a win obviously one of the contenders for promotion as well antrim one of the sides that many people are looking at to potentially go down. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, expected really. Okay, Antrim are probably one of the worst teams in this division. So yeah, awfully got a well-deserved win. What I'm interested in actually, Noel McNamee wasn't named on the panel. Um, it, it was said by Liam Kearns that he's 99% sure that he won't play for low for awfully this season. So that could be a big loss to them. Like Johnny Maloney's a big loss as well. But Look, to get two points on the board, you have to be happy as an awfully fan to get off the board with a win. For Antrim under Andy McIntyre, I think this could be a struggle of the year. I think they could go down back down to Division 4 and they're probably one of the lesser lesser equipped sides in Ulster as well. So, yeah, it was a good win for Offaly to go up all the way up there to Corgan Park geographically-wise, but I think with the losses of Johnny Maloney and probably Noel McNamee as well, it looks like it anyway. I think Offaly could struggle in Division 3 this year. Like They'll be judged on the games against Westmead, having them down. But I think in terms of survival, they should be fine. They should be fine in survival. But for Antrim, I think it could be a rough year. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, looking at it as well from Offaly, like obviously Highland in there with four points, Anton Sullivan with three, Nigel Dunn with two points, Rory McNamee with 1-1 one, one as well. Um, and still have a lot of players to come back in, like Keen Farrell. Still needs to come back in from injury. He, he hasn't played since 2021. Um, you'd expect him to come back into the side at some point. You've obviously got the likes of Jack Bryant, um, Keith O'Neill, Cormac Egan. So a lot of players still to come back in from an awfully perspective. So the fact that we're missing those lads and still went away to Antrim, which, as you said, is a tough place to go to, um, you know, no matter where Antrim are uh, in, in the table. So to go there, turn them over think is a very very positive result indeed another surprise result really at the at the weekend was for mana who turned over longford 15 points to eight a seven point victory there i mean look for mana always tough to be in their own backyard playing in a dirty this time around as opposed to uh, brewster park but considering how good longford looked in pre-season um winning the O'Byrne cup it goes to show really like when you look at cork as well uh, maybe pre-season doesn't matter too much doesn't know and this result actually got me scared before the Carp and Me game as well. I mentioned that tweet. So yeah, um look, it was a good win for, for Man. Like I know for Man are a good side. I think they have good young players coming through and Kieran Donnelly's doing a brilliant job. But maybe it's a situation for Longford and Paddy Christie back down to earth, you know, um back to the drawing board. In terms of survival, Longford always seemed to pull out the rabbit out of the hat. So I think Longford should be fine in terms of survival. But, um, yeah, this was kind of a kick in the teeth, really, this result. Um, in terms of, like, you look at through the, you know, the sequence of events in Scorpio, it looked like Longford um, weren't really going to win this game at any point. Fermanagh had this game in the bag for pretty much the whole game. Sean Quigley scoring seven points, Sean Quigley doing Sean Quigley things. And it looks like that won't be changing. So he'll be definitely up for the goal that boot for him. Um, 
the league this season again. So um, yeah, it's 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 weird. Like how long is Sean Quigley going to go on? Like he's an incredible footballer with him. Incredible longevity. He's an incre- incredible free taker as well. So, yeah, very good win for Fermanagh, but for Longford and Paddy Christie, good players coming through. But look, the the O'Brien Cup isn't the be all and end all. It's back to the drawing board for them. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, like a. I think Longford should have enough to, to still stay up, but definitely a, a lot of worrying signs. When you look at some of the games, some of the teams they have to play, like the likes of Down, Offaly, Westmead, Cavan, like it, it. You know, I think with a defeat like this. In a manner of the defeat, seven points. Like I think they could be dragged into a relegation scrap, but I think all in all, they they should uh, have enough. In uh, in my opinion, moving on to Division Four, big result that stands out here was Leash going away to Sligo, winning two eleven to eleven points. Myself and yourself as well, very much believing that Sligo are the favourites for Division Four. I think a lot of people believe in that. Leash in a bit of turmoil, didn't look good in the O'Byrne Cup. And here they go. They've gone away to Sligo, turn them over, one by six points. I've seen Paddy Kingston there back in the side as well um, with six points. Paul Kingston, big, big result for Leash there. Yeah, and I suppose it just shows um, the buying really from uh, Leash players of Paul Kingston is coming back into the team and Mark Barry coming into the team as well. Like, um, yeah, it's a good result for Leash. Like, I didn't think they had him in them, to be honest with you. I thought they were on a slippery slope, but yeah, it seems like Leash football is slowly coming back um, up the ranks, like when you look at the players I mentioned last week and the reason why Sligo, I thought would win the game, did Ross Munley, John O'Loughlin and Colin Bigley all retire? Three losses, like that was big for Leash, but it seems like this new pre the players under um, Billy Sheehan, you know, they're gaining a bit of confidence and I think, like even drawing against Mead in pre-season and we're thinking both sides are on the decline and seeing Mead beat Cork this week and Leash shock Sligo as well, maybe these two sides aren't as bad as we make out. Maybe. So, yeah, very good win for Leach. But I think Sligo, like, if they beat Leitrim, that's the big game for them now. And um, beat Leitrim, I think they should still have enough to go up. But this is a big, big game. This was a big game for them to win, especially home at Markovich Park. They failed to do so. But, yeah, I think Sligo, I still look at the players, I look at the management team. I think Sligo should be fine for promotion, along with Leach. No, I think Leach have given themselves a real chance of going back up to the Division 3 and uh, we probably need Leash back up to the top table I think uh, I think Sean Kavanagh actually mentioned Leash or Division 2 team I'm not sure that we actually agree with that but anyway yeah. like, even to get up to Division 3 would be a very good stepping stone for Leash Yeah like, like I wonder maybe did he mean like Leash given their history and everything else should be a Division 2 team rather than maybe the quality I'm, I'm not too sure but yeah that kind of surprised me when he did say that as well um, but a big, big result for, for Leash, nonetheless. Um, Carlo 210, Wicklow 210, very entertaining game. A lot of goalkeeping errors looking at the highlights in Allianz League Sunday. Like, I think three of the goals came from, from goalkeeping errors, um, or in the round anyway, like defensive errors or silly errors. It was kind of kamikaze stuff at times, but finishes as a draw. Like, you know, Wicklow, another side people looking at to potentially go up um i suppose it shows maybe that ushie mcconville still has a good bit of work to be done to get this side to you know keep out the goals and from a carlo perspective positive because um you know it took them a long time to get going in division four last year and the fact they come away with a draw will just give them a little bit of positivity maybe um moving forward it will do, yeah. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a very good um, showing for Carl. I thought they struggled in Division 4 considering their defence last season and they relied so heavily on Dar Foley 
in the O'Brien Cup, particularly scoring 111 over 113. But it looks to me, Carlo is still developing players like Connor Crowley there, Jordan Morrissey. Like they've some very good players all over. The, I knew Carlo had potential, but the problem was they were de- um, depending on one player way too often in the O'Brien Cup, particularly. And that was my worry with them. But looking at this result against a decent Wicklow side, Albeit it was at home, but at the same time, very good results for uh, Carlo and for Wicklow. Look, it's not the end of the world either. I think they should recover. Like they've beat Leash before, they may do so again. Like if they beat Leash, then the whole league opens wide, wide open after that. So, like look at this results and look at Leash's results against Sligo particularly. I think the league in Division Four could be wide open this year. Any team could be going up and saying. We can go up here. I think the only um, um, objections to that probably is Watford. I just think they're not good enough. But the other seven teams are thinking, there's an opportunity for us. Maybe we could go up this season. So, yeah, I think both sides, it's not the end of the world for either side. I think Carlo would be the happier with the draw, considering a lot of people, including myself, would predict them to finish further down the table than than, uh, usual, in fact. But, um, yeah, very good result of Wicklow, Oshie McConville. Considering they're a board cup farm, this is a good start, a good draw for them as well. Yeah, you'd Wexford 1-9, London 1-9. So London, as we remember last year, got a couple of surprise results at the start of the league. And um, I think I tipped them in my preview to beat Wexford, actually, just because of Wexford's inconsistencies um, and all the positive signs I've been hearing about London. Um, it was a late Matthew Walsh goal that in the end sealed the draw from a London perspective, like seeing Ender Lynn's in there. Um, few sort of recognisable names in that London side. So, you know, po- po- positive for, for London to get a draw. And I suppose for Wexford, same old, same old, really, that, you know, they're they're just so inconsistent all the time. You can never back them um, in, in any of these games, really. Exactly. And that was that was my reasoning as well. I said London in peak of the week in the J-Mac podcast to beat Wexford. And that was the exact reason you mentioned there. You tore the word right out of my mouth. Like, Wexford are so inconsistent. Like I, I said, they'd get promoted last year and they didn't. You know, it was um, very, very disappointing from them. And then to draw, the, like they were in, look at the sequence of playing this game. Wexford looked in control. And then to lose it in the la- last minute, lose a point in the last minute of the game. I mean, that was, you know, a hard one to take, especially at home for Wexford. Very, very hard one to take. But for London, like in the lane they are not thinking, is there a route to a comic final for London this year? Like you have Leitrim, Sligo, New York on one side of the draw. Like we could have a repeat of 2013 all over again. We could have um, you know, the Royal Family saying, um, oh, will we get tickets to the Connacht final? <laughs> It'd be just an incredible performance. Even um, even we could see London in a group stage with Dublin or Kerry. Wouldn't that be incredible? Yeah. You know, that would be that would be so capsule against capsule. There'll be um, some battle in the uh, amateur sport, but then, um, <laughs> Jesus, like, like, yeah, we're taking your crazy thoughts now, but um, yeah, it's seriously, but in all seriousness, a uh, brilliant result for London to get a late um, goal against Wexford. But Wexford, I think, very disappointing considering the, the fact they're at home and they had the game in the bag with a few minutes to go and they let it slip. Yeah, like, and I think Dublin and London actually played each other once in the qualifiers back in like 2004 or something like that. Um, so, like, it has happened before, which is mad. But, yeah, like, if they did end up playing each other, it would be it would be quite bizarre, uh, to say the least. Uh, Leitrim, 3-18. Waterford, 11 points. Commanding. Comprehensive result for Leitrim. I mean, yeah, like, what, a 16-point victory in Division 4. Um, 
not a good look for Waterford right there. You know, and it's a hard one to judge this. Are Leitrim that good or are Waterford that poor? I mean, what do you think? It's a it's a cliche answer, answer arm, but um bit of both. Like I think Leitrim are a very good side, Keith Byrne, Tom Pryor, very good players actually, and Andy Moore and his stamp his authority on the team. Watford, I'm not saying they're a disgrace or anything. It's just Watford, it's not a men's football county. Nobody's interested in it, literally. Um, I've been down to Watford. I've relations from Watford. I'd love to see them do well. I'd love to see if he could sure do well there. But no, there's just no buying for this Watford team. Like I've spoke to Brian Luby in the past few seasons, a particular game against Limerick. He, he was saying that Watford, that's their aim to get up to Limerick, to Clare, to Tipperary's level, and potentially challenge Cork. I'm sure they did a few seasons ago, actually, in the Padre Healy regime with Cork. They got what it appointed them. But I think, honestly, that's as close they're going to get. I don't think there's much football being played in Watford, only in late football. They're actually pretty good. They're in Division 1. But it seems to be the only sport, the only code, that are just not good enough, Watford. Um, they've seen a few nice players, like Darrell Corkin, who was on your podcast recently, Brian Luby, but... Like it's just not in, into it. Like I'm sure Jamie Barron's actually a good footballer, but obviously they play hurling. Hurling will always be king in Walford. And um, yeah, I think it could be a, a really, really bad season for Walford in terms of results. But it's it's at the same time we see it with the same same time for Walford every single season. It's where they are. They're last in the country for a reason. Football isn't their stronghold, and yeah, that's where they are. But uh, for Lee, true, good start to the Lee campaign, but definitely tougher test to follow. Yeah, I suppose before we finish up, we'll, uh, I'm going to introduce a bit of a new segment to this podcast where we just run through team of the week and and everything else. Um, so I've created my team of the week, and I'll get it on screen now, and you can let me know if you if you disagree, and maybe for the, the people watching down below, they can let us know as well, but in goal, I've gone for Ethan Rafferty of Armagh, I thought he was very impressive, um, he obviously kicked a point, Raymond Galligan kicked three points to be fair, so he wasn't a million miles away, Mark Curran in a cornerback for, for Donegal, I uh, thought he'd done very well for um, uh, for Donegal, picking up Killian Spillane, Podrick Faulkner in a fullback, uh, Connor Daly in there for uh, for Common. I thought done a very, very good job, uh, Caelan McColgan uh, in a right half back. I mean, he kicked three points. I thought he was outstanding. Connor Francis in there at centre back for for down. You've Noel Daly in there for us common as well. Three very good points from him in midfield. I went with Brian Fenton and Enda Smith, which might be a bit of a surprise one. I mean, I know he came off the bench, um, I think around the 40th minute, but he set up two goals and I thought he played very very well. Uh, Jack Robinson in there for Kildare. I mean, look, he. Like he, he finished with three points. He was obviously playing in the full forward line, but I thought he was he was very good. Stephen Sherlock, 14 points for Cork. I mean, that speaks for itself. Shane Walsh in there for Mead. And then in the full forward line, Keith Byrne of Leitrim, Shane McGuigan of Derry, and uh, Ryan O'Donoghue of Mayo. I suppose, uh, any thoughts on that, maybe? Any thoughts on that team? I think the only objection I have is probably maybe another few Mead defenders. I, I, I yeah. just was impressed with Mead um, yesterday. Their cynicism, particularly their willingness to tackle. I think we probably deserved more players in that team. Maybe post Donald Kyogen or somebody in that team instead of um, probably one of the dailies from Ross Common. I'm not sure, Noel or Connor. Goalkeeper, I think I personally go Raymond Gallagher. I think he was outstanding with three frees. Racing the team, though, I can't have many complaints. Keeper, 110, very good performance. Even even in a left field one, but Sean Nolan for Wexford scored one three from play, joint top scorer from play over the weekend. So 
maybe yeah. he deserves a mention as well. Um, in the space will have him as well because I thought linking up the play, particularly when he came on for Ross Common, was outstanding. Brian Fenton, yes, Quayla McCallion without a doubt, Connor Francis without a doubt, Mark Curran, Patrick Fortner. So he couldn't have much complaints, but probably have probably have um what's his name for Wexford? Um the guy Sean Sean uh, Nolan, I think his name is scored one three, uh, one of the meat defenders, and probably Raymond Gallagher in goal. But other than that, I think um that is a team ballpark, I think. Yeah, like it's obviously a hard one to know. Like, and I suppose one thing maybe we're pointing out in those team of the week, especially for the national league, is you don't get to see every game. Um, so like I'm putting Keith Byrne in because he scored one ten, for example. He obviously had a great game, even though I didn't see him play. Um, you know, like it was close to putting Paul Kingston in. I thought he'd done well for Leash, scored six points, and and that's obviously a big standout performance. Kayla McGonagall, I don't think was was too far away from a Donegal perspective um, as well. Like I thought he was fairly impressive in and around the middle. Um, and and the Brian Fenton one was weird. Like I don't think he had his best game overall. Like he scored the goal to be fair and he was Dublin's best player. Um, but I still think you can see a bit more from him. But there wasn't too many midfielders I really thought that stood out at the weekend. Yeah, there wasn't really. I think Caleb McGonagall is um, the big one there. I think Meade's Midfield against Cork particularly wasn't that good. I think Cork actually dominated that part department of the field very rare, really, from um, a team that was really outplayed. But um, like I'm thinking, no, there wasn't much midfield performance. I would agree with you on Brian Fink. I didn't think he had his best game the other night. Like he scored a goal, and that was about it, really. Um, thinking, you no, know, who had a good game? Godwin midfield was in a particularly good game. Mayo, maybe Matty Ruan, Jordan Flynn, maybe, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, but see, Matty Ryan did get did get a black card. I mean, it was an unfair black card. I don't think he done anything wrong. Um, but yeah, yeah, maybe Jordan Flynn. Like Killy McDay did score a good point as well. Like it's, I suppose it's it's a hard one to know really because there's so much happening up and down the country. Like there's bound to be good midfield there somewhere, but we just didn't get to see it, you know. Yeah, I'm thinking. You no, know, it's just come into my head. Jordan Morrissey from Carlo, possibly. Mm. Maybe midfield. He he had a good performance against Wicklow, including scoring a. Pretty good goal, and he usually plays around half back line, but he can play midfield. He usually does for his club, so maybe he can go in there alongside maybe in the space. I'd actually agree with you in the space. I thought his link up play, particularly, was outstanding. Um, yeah, I, I, I fall back, agree with you, but I, I'd probably put maybe one or two me players in that team. I thought their defense, particularly, was outstanding like 23 frees conceded but they were still cynical they were willing to foul I thought they were pretty good yesterday and um, yeah I'd probably put Raymond Gallagher in goal but I could see why he went with Eaton Rafferty I, I think they went through on League Sunday actually the pros and cons of Eaton Rafferty that he goes out of goal and, and there's a mess at the back line or something like that but it's still you have to appreciate it while it's here as well like you don't see much goalkeepers like Eaton Rafferty nowadays you know it's in Incredible the way he's playing as well. So, you know, I think that's a pretty good team. Um, I'd probably put in, thinking about, no, probably be defender. Jordan Morris, he's another brilliant show for Carlo as well. Perfect. Well, look, we'll go ahead and wrap this up here anyways. Matthew, cheers very much for, for coming on. Obviously, make sure to check out the GA Statsman podcast as well when you get a chance on YouTube and over on Spotify as well. Obviously, done your own preview there during the week. So, uh, we've plenty of content going out there. And for people who have watched this, if you could leave a like and subscribe, it would be very much appreciated. Matthew, cheers very much for coming on. Come on, Bye, Ryan. Back there.